Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8 says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Ants. Ants are God's little creatures for us in nature. And he gives us lessons uh, from the ants. Now, the verse we read applies to the sluggard. I'm not quite sure what a sluggard is, but it doesn't sound very good. But uh, what he says about the ants really can apply to the church and spiritual gifts. And I think we'll see that today. The ant colony, God has given the ants a diversity of roles for different ants. The queen lays eggs. That's all she does, is lay eggs. The male, their sole role is to fertilize the eggs, nothing else. Uh, males don't live very long, incidentally. Uh, females are sterile, and God has given different roles to different ants, female ants. Some tend, some tend to the eggs, the larvae and the pupa. Others uh, are involved with construction and the uh, excavation of the nest. Others are foragers of food, and uh, uh, so there are different roles. But God has put diversities of roles in ants. God has put different instinctive natures in ants so that they have different roles and they do them naturally. And working together, they serve one in, one another. They form a well-functioning community, performing different functions, and yet they're interdependent. Now, these ants can also be a model for us, the church. Like ants, God has gifted different believers in the church with different gifts. Today, we're going to look at spiritual gifts. And we're going to focus our time on Romans 12. Like God has given different ants different functions, as we saw in Proverbs chapter 6, he wants us to work together using the spiritual gifts that he's given each one of us. He also wants us to understand each other's gifts. And when we do that, God's going to be glorified. We're doing this in three sessions. Uh, the first session uh, was uh, last month. Last month, I believe so. We were in September. It was recently. And uh, we talked, I gave an overview of spiritual gifts. Today we're in session two. We're going to examine individual <coughs> spiritual gifts. And we're going to look, uh, concentrate on the ones that are listed uh, in Romans, oops, Romans 12. And uh, identify helps and identify. At the end, we're going to identify helps in exercising your spiritual gift and discuss possible hindrances in understanding your spiritual gift. And then in the third session, which will probably be after the first of the year, we'll examine false teachings of spiritual gifts. So God wants us to understand and use our spiritual gifts. So, uh, review last time. Uh, each believer has a spiritual gift. Each believer has a spiritual gift. It says in 1 Peter 4, verse 10, as each believer has received a spiritual gift, and we says that's a Greek word, charismata, 
or to employ it in serving one another. So, if you're a believer, this verse says you have a spiritual gift and you're to use it in serving one another. Now, this is different from talents, natural talents. Talents are things that uh, uh, maybe a talent you're born with or something you develop through your life. Uh, Maybe a piano playing or something like that. A spiritual gift, on the other hand, is something you received when you believe. Gifts are given by Christ to equip the church. We saw that in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 13. And we went through that and we said, uh, uh, Ephesians, a uh, spiritual gift is for the purpose of equipping the saints. And that uh, allows each believer to be involved in the work of service. This in turn builds up the body of Christ until we all attain to a a unity or a maturity in faith. There are different lists of spiritual gifts and each one has different functions. One of these we called the manifestation gifts. The manifestation gifts. And these are in 1 Corinthians 12. And the manifestation gifts are used by the Holy Spirit to manifest himself uh, as he wills and when he wills. This is something the Holy Spirit chooses and does in his own timing. They're given for the common good, but the Spirit distributes each gift as he wills. The second one we said are church-building gifts. Church-building gifts. And we uh, covered that in Ephesians 4. And uh, the idea here is that uh, uh, church is spoken of in Ephesians 4 like a building. and Ephesians uh, 4, chapter 2, it says that Christ is the cornerstone of this building. And the apostles and prophets were the foundation uh, of the building. These were laid uh, at, the, at New Testament times. But today, uh, we have evangelists and we have pastor teachers. And these are gifts that are given for the building up of the church. Next, we said we have Service gifts. Service gifts. And these are in Romans 12. And that includes uh, prophecy, uh, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, and uh, uh, mercy. Next. Uh, Then we have a list of all the gifts. These are the manifestation gifts, the church building gifts, and the service gifts. And here's a list of uh, each one of the gifts. Next, uh, we said that all gifts are needed to mature the church. And the passage reference here is 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14 through 20. And this is where it talks about uh, the church being like uh, parts of our body. The spiritual gifts in the church are like that. And we need each other just like you need each part of your body to fully function. Uh, you can't I can't say to the hand, hey, I have no need of you at all. But uh, together, all the gifts are needed to function together. Finally, God wants us to understand and use our spiritual gift. And uh, the gifts in Romans 12 are uh, particular are ones that we're commanded to use. Uh, we're commanded to use them and to exercise them. And that's what we're going to look at today. Today we're going to look at the gifts in Romans 12. So, 
Let's look at Romans 12, verse 6. Romans 12, verse 6. Romans 12, verse 6, starting with verse 6. Having then different gifts according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in the proportion of our faith. Our ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So these are the gifts, and we're going to go through these, and uh, uh, the gifts in Romans 6. So let's get started. Prophecy. Prophecy. What's a prophet? Is this someone that tells the future? Is that what a prophet is? Well, the Old Testament uh, prophets certainly told the future, but that's just a part of what they did. For the most part, if you read through prophecies, what they're doing is they're saying, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. They're proclaimers of God's truth. New Testament, apostolic times, we see prophets. Uh, Abacus uh, was a prophet in Acts 11. He said that there's going to be a world famine coming. And that's not something he figured out naturally. He was uh, told that by God. And he proclaimed that as a prophet. In Acts 21, uh, Abacus again gives warnings to Paul. He says, if you uh, go to Jerusalem, you're going to be put in chains. So he was a prophet proclaiming a message from God. Acts 15, uh, Judas and Silas are called prophets and they encourage and strengthen others. But how about today? person with the gift of prophecy, what does he do? He's a proclaimer of God's word. He's a proclaimer of God's word. Thus saith the Lord. That's what uh, a prophet does. But God's word is complete. And he has that. And so for the prophet, his source is the Bible. He is the one who goes to God's word and proclaims it. He'll use it to deliver warnings, exhortation, instructions, judgment. And he does this because he sees Scripture as God's word to man. And he'll proclaim it. He'll use Scripture to see men repent, to honor God, and to worship him. Guidelines? Romans uh, 12, verse 6 says, according to the portion of his faith. For the prophet and prophecy, if his faith is strong and his, uh, his with fever, it'll confirm his message. The stronger his faith in God's word, the stronger their message. Characteristics? He looks for opportunities to proclaim God's message. He looks for those opportunities. Thus saith the Lord. He's probably very persuasive in his speech. He's a defender of God's truth and holiness. Because his focus is on God's word and the truth of God's word, he feels the need to deal with sin. After all, God's honor is at stake for him. He has a strong sense of right and wrong. He depends on scripture to establish his authority. Thus saith the Lord. His authority is from the word. He wants to use scripture to reveal man's heart, causing them to fall down and worship God. 
Now, there are possible problems with the spiritual gift. <clears throat> um, he may be harsh or critical. He can be hard on people because he's generally pretty blunt with what he says. So he can be hard on people. And he may judge and expose others, but he may lose sight of the restoration in doing so. After all, he's there. He wants to convict with God's word, but there's more involved. There's a restoration. And he may lose sight of that. Modern day example of uh, someone with uh, the gift of prophecy, I think, is Billy Graham. If you've ever uh, seen any of his messages, he would stand up and he'd hold a Bible in one hand and he'd say, The Bible says. He's a proclaimer of God's word. He's a prophet, and very much. He's gifted in that area. Next one is serving. Serving. A prophet is concerned with proclaiming words. A server is concerned with action. He wants to serve and he wants to do it in genuine love. The idea here is to wait on tables. Uh, we saw that for the deacons uh, uh, in uh, Acts chapter 6. So the definition, he has a desire to demonstrate love by meeting practical needs. Demonstrate, to demonstrate love by practical needs. And he wants to serve. And he doesn't want to do it for recognition, but he wants to do it for God's glory. He has a desire to practically demonstrate God's love. Characteristics? You see, he sees practical needs and he desires to meet them. He sees practical needs and desires to meet them. He looks at a situation, sees practical and physical needs, and he wants to help. Fix a car, prepare meals, repair a broken window, mow grass, clean the house, care for kids. Also, he wants to uh, free others for the work of ministry. He wants to support God's work, and this might involve repairing vehicles, babysitting children, or office work. Uh, there again, in Acts chapter 6, we saw that the, the ones there were serving tables so that the apostles were free uh, for prayer in the ministry of the word. Now, there are possible problems here. He can overextend himself. He can overextend himself and may neglect the family. He may go out and repair somebody's uh, door or fence or whatever and the door at home <laughs> needs repairing and he doesn't get to that. He can overemphasize practical needs to the neglect of spiritual needs. He can see an empty stomach but miss an empty soul. He can think of physical needs and think that those need, needs are meant that everything's okay. And they may not be okay. There may be spiritual needs or other needs beyond that. He can interfere with God's discipline by premature help. He can uh, uh, step in and uh, help when really God uh, has a person in a situation he has in there because uh, he wants to teach him a lesson. And uh, uh, there's a possibility that uh, uh, the server may short-circuit that. An example I can think of here is a, a person some of you may have known. Uh, his name is Harold O'Brien. Uh, he was the Lawrence Bible Chapel years ago. In fact, I see some of you are related to him. 
Uh, he was a, a great server. Uh, the, the chapel, he was always there. He was always taking care of things. He was going, going to people's homes, meeting needs. And it was out of genuine love and care that he did it. In fact, uh, uh, Harold uh, uh, went to be the Lord very suddenly uh, one week. And uh, that Sunday we gathered together to remember the Lord. And uh, we were missing Carol because he wasn't there in his usual place. So we sat down for the Lord's Supper. There's no bread or wine on the table. Harold always took care of that, and he was gone. <laughs> but he was a servant in so many ways and so many unspoken things. <clears throat> teaching. Teaching. There are two definitions to teaching. Teachers, one who gives instruction or instills instruction to someone to explain or expound a thing. So, for teachers, there are two things. He desires to search out and validate the truth of Scripture. To him, the truth, the, the details of Scripture, and the, he wants to validate it very carefully. And then beyond that, he can systematically communicate the truth of Scripture. So he had not only the ability to uh, to look at Scripture and carefully understand it, but he can care, uh, communicate it uh, understandably uh, to others. So he's not a person that just preaches the Word. Uh, the prophet does that, we saw. He's a real student of the Word. He's concerned with accuracy and details. And he has ability, uh, too, he has the ability to systematically teach others. And uh, with this, with all, all, all seven of the gifts we're going to look at, it's, uh, men and women can have these gifts. Uh, in the area of teaching, uh, uh, the sphere of uh, uh, their ministry may be different, but all seven gifts we're going to look at, uh, these can be both men and women. And that's important. <clears throat> Characteristics. He places an emphasis on Scripture. He's concerned with the infallibility of Scripture. That's very important to him. Every word, phrase, tense, jot, tittle, Greek meaning, Hebrew context, that's all important to the teacher. Uh, he probably has a big library if you go and see him. Uh, 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 not a current day example is Ben Ramey. And I've talked with Ben about this, and he agrees. Uh, and uh, But he, he these characteristics fit him. And if you ever go to visit Ben, ask to see his library. But he's, uh, uh, the teacher is probably sensitive to scriptures or the illustrations that are used out of context. For example, Revelation 3.20 <clears throat> says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and sup with him and him with me. Now what's a prophet going to do with that? He says, there's a good gospel verse. Uh, you need to let the Lord into your, uh, the door of your heart. You need to make this personal decision to let him come in. Now, the teeth are just going to sit there with his teeth on his edge. And you say, that's not the context at all. It's written to the church. And in the, it's uh, the, the Lord wanting to come into the church of Laodicea. This isn't talking about personal salvation. So the context can be important too. He's effective in the systematic presentation of truth. He not only studies the Word, but he presents it clearly and systematically. He can take the Word, digest it, take a difficult concept, and teach it so it's understandable. 
if any of you have uh, read uh, William MacDonald's re- uh, writings or uh, if you've heard, heard him preach or seen uh, 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 his messages or heard his messages, he was definitely a teacher. He can take some very complex ideas and make them very simple and understandable so that it's uh, easy to understand. And that's uh, one reason his writings are very popular because it's uh, it goes through some difficult concepts, but it's very understandable. <clears throat> now there are possible problems. Uh, he had more may have more interest in accuracy as text than practical application. Seminaries are filled with teachers in Dallas theological. So seventy percent of it, or eighty, fifty uh, percent of it is all academic. He may be critical of teaching of others because of technical flaws. There may be a misapplication of scripture or wrong context, and he could miss out on the teaching of godly men because of that. Exhortation. Exhortation. It's the Greek word uh, parakaleo. And uh, para means beside and kaleo to call. It's one called beside or one who's called to be beside another. In fact, the same Greek word is used in uh, the Gospel of John, and there it's generally uh, translated comforter. So, it's different than a prophet. A prophet wants to proclaim to others, and an exhorter wants to come beside others, to encourage and motivate. Now, this person must be uh, grounded in the Scripture. Otherwise, as he comes, it's just going to be giving advice. He should be able to get people to follow steps of corruption. He enjoys personal counseling uh, to encourage spiritual growth. He's probably, uh, he or she is comfortable in one-on-one situations or small groups. I roomed with uh, a brother uh, named Stan for many years, and uh, he was an exhorter, uh, very much so. He's with the Lord now. But he was always meeting with people. He's always encouraging them, helping them in their spiritual walk with Bible study, prayer, and witnessing. And he's in, uh, encouraging specific action. Okay, let's look at characteristics. Characteristics. He exhorts others to pursue spiritual goals and provides steps of action. For him, uh, he does likes personal discipleship. He might counsel others to set a daily quiet time schedule, to set a goal, to memorize verses, or say, let's be accountable to each other. So it's not just activities. He has a goal in mind. He likes to deal on a personal level. The prophet, he prefers crowds. The bigger, the better. For an exhorter, he prefers personal feedback and commitment. And he visualizes change in individual lives. Possible problems? Uh, Proposed steps may seem pushy or insensitive. He may push someone for a decision or a commitment. He may say, what are you going to do about it? The person's not ready for that quite yet. And they may feel like they're being pushed. He may neglect proper Bible doctrine. Uh, a teacher is really concerned about proper content. <laughs> the exhorter that has the sound he wants, hey, we'll use it. A uh, uh, current example is a brother uh, who's with the Lord now. His name is Gene Gibson. Uh, he was an elder at Fairhaven Bible Chapel. He was the one who wrote uh, Survey Basic Christianity or Basic Christian Training, which I think many of you have used. Uh, 
And he was uh, highly effective as a speaker and as a writer, but he was particularly good in one-on-one and interactive groups. And very often he was involved in marriage counseling, home and hospitalization. He was constantly exhorting individuals. And as a result, he saw many changed lives. Giving. Giving. Giving is uh, uh, metadeome. Uh, Deome means to give and meta means with. So the idea here that he's donating, he's not giving a donation to someone, but he rather he's sharing with someone. Uh, implies a definite commitment or involvement in giving. So he's not just distributing money, but he's with them. He knows the needs and the capabilities, and he can provide financial guidance. Uh, definition, he has the ability to be sensitive to and the willingness to provide for the needs of others. From what I've seen, he generally has the ability to organize personal finances as well. Doesn't mean he's wealthy, but he's merely wise with finances. In the past, uh, I've uh, served as treasurer for uh, periods of time at Lawrence Bible Chapel and at Spruce Hill Bible Chapel. And uh, as, a, uh, doing, as a treasurer, I knew some of the ones that had gifts of giving. And these are ones that most other people in the assembly don't know about or don't realize her at all because they're quiet about it. But they didn't realize who they were, but they gave liberally. They gave thoughtfully. They knew the real needs and took time to find out about needs. And this is especially true with missionaries. <clears throat> Guidelines, it says in verse 8 of uh, Romans 12, uh, with uh, singleness, singleness, with simplicity, and that means he gives freely. Now, some prerequisites there. He must recognize that all he has belongs to God. And he must know the scriptural principles of financing. For example, uh, several times in Proverbs it says, Owe no man anything. And that says, Never go sign uh, a note. And so this is scriptural, which uh, someone with the gift of giving really needs to know these things. Characteristics. He likes to give quietly without fanfare. Uh, likes to give quietly without fanfare. He wants to give secretly. Uh, it's, it's scriptural. And he does it because it's scriptural. He's not doing it for show. It's a real motivation of his heart. He enjoys uh, uh, meeting a need without being asked or begged. He's less likely to respond to a fundraiser. And if he's asked to give, it takes away the joy of voluntarily giving. He wants to be a part of what he's giving to. I mentioned uh, when I was treasurer, uh, those with the gift of giving seem to know the missionaries well. In fact, sometimes they even go visit the missionaries. A uh, person with giving seeks to reach out. And be, and be in touch. No possible problem. He needs to be sensitive to God's work through situations. And this can be a particular in a situation of, uh, where there's church discipline. And uh, 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 we don't want to uh, give somebody some money for some reason because of 
what they need to work through. And then you can short circuit that. Leadership or administration. That's uh, pro-estemi. Pro-estemi. Estemi means to stand, and uh, pro means before. So it's one who stands uh, before or in front of. It's not a dictator. It's more of a person who leads or presides. First Thessalonians 5.12 says, Recognize those who labor among you and over you in the Lord. And the idea here is uh, ones that are, are over you, the same thought as have charge over. So he has an interest in those being led and a desire for their protection. <laughs> so an organizer or an administrator uh, or a leader is not especially a group leader, but he's more of an organizer. <laughs> we had a brother at... Uh, Fairhaven Bible Chapel when I was there. This was in California. And he's an elder. And uh, his gift was uh, definitely uh, leadership or administration. And at Fairhaven, we'd have, every Monday night would be a visitation night. And people who wanted to uh, uh, go out in pairs of visitation uh, would uh, uh, volunteer for that night. And a lot of people did. And it might be to visit... Uh, New pe uh, people with contacts for the gospel, or it might be people that have particular needs in the chapel. And uh, Jack would uh, put together a list uh, for the people that they were going to visit. He'd give them a map of where they live, so he'd go to their house. He would uh, give them some background information. Plus that, he would uh, arrange for speakers and for teachers, and he would uh, set the up organization of group studies and new visitor follow-up. So the guide is with diligence, with diligence in verse 8. Sometimes he needs a little prodding, and he can get bogged down in red tape. So, uh, characteristics. He can see the overall picture and set the long-term goals. He's one who tends to take the bird's eye view and sees the long-term goals. The server may come and uh, come and say, uh, "We got a leaky roof. How do we? Uh, how are we going to fix this leaky roof?" But the administrator is going to say, "What are our long-term maintenance and building plans here?" So he looks at the long-term goal more. He knows how to plan and to delegate others. So he's not so much of a doer, but he's more of a get things done sort of person. He sees who's best suited and will delegate uh, to those. No, possible problems. He may appear to use people. He may appear to use people. Others may feel like he's always thinking of prog programs or projects, but he never thinks of individuals, and they, they may feel like they're being used. One assembly I was at, uh, we would uh, get uh, regular letters from a committed worker. Not committed from that assembly, but he was a committed worker, but he sent uh, letters regularly to that assembly. Seems like he always had projects. I think that uh, he was uh, an administrator or a leader, but he's always had projects. He's uh, building projects, outreach projects, literature distribution. It seems like there was always a project that he had going on, and he always needed money for it. And he seemed re wrapped up in programs, and uh, the people to reach almost seemed secondary. He may appear to be made of red tape. He may be, appear to be made of red tape. Uh, 
the server may come and say, hey, we need to write the labor's needs. So uh, then what the leader, uh, organizer or leader say, he says, okay, well, let's do that next Tuesday. I'll put up a sign-up sheet for everybody to sign up. Uh, you, 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 bring rakes. Make sure that we have the leaf bags there so we have them there for to work. The server, he just goes and breaks the leaves. <laughs> Enough of all this. Mercy. Mercy. It's L-A-A-O. Uh, it means uh, showing mercy. He shows an outward manifestation of mercy, and he's an empathizer with those that are hurting. He identifies the misfortunes of others mentally, emotionally, relates to need, and give, uh, gives aid. Some of you may know, have known uh, uh, Don Schoenberg, who was an elder at the Lawrence Chapel, uh, who's with the Lord now. Oh, he had really had this gift. Uh, he could... Uh, empathize with people. He would uh, cry with them. He would uh, talk about their hurt and just talking about it. I mean, he, you could tell the emotion was there and he wants to help. He wants to be there and, and help. So a guide is with cheerfulness. Hilarates, uh, readiness of mind, prompt to do anything. So we get our word hilarious from. So his gift shouldn't be a drag because he's dealing with so many problems and he feels the emotion of it. But he needs to be able to know share in happiness as well as grief. Characteristics. He senses and identifies with joys and inner struggles. Don had that extra sense. He would often cry over other people's hurts. He was sensitive and hurt caused, uh, hurt caused by sin. Shows mercy through acts of love to bring healing to those who are hurting. Uh, he's the one. He's the one that's there at the hospital. He's the one who's there at the funeral. He's the one who's there in time of needs. He's the one that will call up on the phone, and not just to check up on a person, but he's genuinely concerned. He has a greater concern over mental uh, joy and distress than physical concerns. It's different than the server. The server is concerned with physical needs. He's different than the prophet or exhorter. They're concerned with the spiritual condition. He's different than the giver. He's concerned with the financial need, but he's there to provide comfort and support. Possible problems? He may fail to be firm when necessary. May be, uh, fail to be firm when necessary. He may join in the pity party instead of dealing with the cause. Uh, in Lawrence, uh, we had a, a brother there who got involved in drug, uh, crack cocaine drugs. And, uh, he would look for, uh, sympathy and help for others. And he needed to be dealt with firmly. And, uh, uh, so, uh, the server, or the, uh, one with the gift of mercy may not give the firmness that's needed. He may be guided by emotions rather than logic. He can be a, a very emotional person and mass the logic. And he may take up the offense of those that hurt. He's the one that generally stands up for the underdog. And he may listen to their tale of woe without listening to the other side of what's going on. And this, uh, again, in church discipline, this can be a serious concern. So, these are the seven gifts we've gone through in Revelation 12. And as believers, whatever spiritual gift is, we're commanded to exercise the spiritual gifts. <clears throat> so, now briefly, 
let's look at exercising your spiritual gifts and just some quick pointers as to uh, exercising them. Number one, know the gifts. Know the gifts. And we've just gone through this in Romans 12. Be willing to do anything the Holy Spirit reveals to you. Be willing to do anything the Holy Spirit reveals to you. Romans 12, verse 1 says, Present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. And submit your bodies to the Lord. <clears throat> Be satisfied with the gift you have. Be satisfied with the gift you have. First uh, Corinthians 12. Uh, we talked about that. And it says that all parts of the body are important. And here it's comparing the physical body to the spiritual body of believers with spiritual gifts. And uh, foot can't say that... Uh, can't look at it and say the foot's not a part of the body because we need all parts of the body. Be active in service for the Lord. God calls busy men. Romans 12, verse 11. Not liking in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Develop a desire for God's best. Develop a desire for God's best. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Enlist the counsel of those who know you. Proverbs 11, verse 14. says, There's a victory in abundance of counselors. And look for God's blessing as you use your gift. First Peter 4, verse 10 says, Employ your gift in serving one another. And as you do, where do you see fruit? What areas are you seeing? So don't be afraid to try all areas. In fact, uh, if we have a list of seven spiritual gifts in Romans 12, if you look elsewhere in Scripture, as believers, we're all commanded to uh, obey and exercise each one of these gifts. But you have a special spiritual gift that you want to develop. So where are you seeing fruit? Okay, hindrances to spiritual gifts. Hindrances to spiritual gifts. And we're going to look at a couple. Number one, giving prominence to one spiritual gift above another. First Corinthians 12, 24 and 25 says, But God has composed the body, giving more more abundant honor to the member that lacked so that there may be no division in the body. Okay, so all parts are part all parts of the body are important. If we give prominence to one gift, then the others are minimized. And quite often we give prominence to the person who's up front speaking. That's a mistake, that's wrong. We need a balance of gifts, of recognition of gifts within the body. And if we do that, if there's an imbalance, it's going to result in an imbalance in the church, an imbalance in the life of believers. All gifts are important. Go ahead. Failing to recognize how God works through spiritual gifts of the church. Acts 15.36. Let's, let's turn your Bible there. This is an interesting event. Acts 15.36 Acts 15.36 Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, 
Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with him John called Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take uh, take uh, uh, take him with them, the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them in the work. Then a contention became so strong that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and parting committed him to the brethren by the grace of God. So here we have a situation where uh, two uh, very godly men had a, an agreement. Uh, as she says, it's a sharp disagreement. And I wonder, you know, is this a difference in spiritual gifts between the two? And we're not told who's right or wrong in this, in this situation. You know, Paul, maybe he's a prophet. He sure seemed like one. Barnabas, uh, he seemed like more of a person of mercy or exhortation. Anyway, a division occurred. They didn't eat, understand each other's point of view. The result is they separated. That's going to occur with spiritual gifts. Uh, we uh, need to realize that God works through all gifts in the church, and, that, and we're going to have a different perspective on things and what we see. Uh, and, and God gave us different gifts, and he can use these gifts to draw us all together because we need one another. Or it can be a source of division and uh, wind up uh, separating like it did in this situation. And think about that. Is there anybody here that frustrates you? <laughs> Probably so. Think about it. Is it possibly a spiritual gift issue? That their uh, spiritual gift gives them a different perspective than what you may have? Closing, remember the end. God has chosen us uh, show us through the end that working together, that much can be accomplished when everyone carries out his own role. <laughs> a calling of ants uh, working together can achieve unbelievable things. When I've heard someone say of the ant, they work together and uh, 2,000 heads are better than one. <laughs> but the same is true for believers in the church. As we exercise our spiritual gift <laughs> and work together to build up the body of believers, we can see great things accomplished for the Lord and Christ to be glorified. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you that you've given gifts to the church, Lord, that uh, you've made us different. And uh, uh, because of that, uh, Lord, we need each other. And we're not complete in ourselves, but we're complete, Lord, as we uh, act together as a body of believers and, and uh, work to, to use our gifts and encouraging, strengthening, and building up, Lord, so the church will be built and equipped. And Lord, in the end, you will be glorified. We thank you in Christ's name.